spiritual humanism marking in the picture, if I'm good enough. And that's not the point, because you can follow the rules and still be an atheist. That's what Jesus, when he was coming against the Pharisees in his day, they were, they were rule followers, but yet their hearts were dead. And that's the basis of every other religion in the world except authentic Christianity is follow the rules. Good outweighs the bad, and then you just hope for the best. Why do I say authentic? Because we, again, we can find, we can find this creeping in in the church too. You can come to church every Sunday. You can say your prayers just simply to say, well, I said my prayers. You can give money to the church. You can follow the rules. And you think, well, I'm in with God because I do all those steps, those spiritual steps, and we can miss it completely. And you see from the very beginning what's entrenched in us is if we're good little girls, good little boys, God likes us more. And that's not the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel, the point of creation of human beings was relationship. God longs for relationship, a love between himself and the people that he has created. God longs for us to trust him, to say, God, I don't get it. I don't see it sometimes, but I trust you. Notice it was faith, not doing a bunch of stuff that gained righteousness for Abram. God didn't accredit to him his righteousness because, man, he's the greatest rule follower on the planet. I think I will pick him. No, what was accredited to righteousness is that he trusted God. Abraham believed God and he credited him as righteousness. He just said, God, you are who you said you are. I trust you and I love you. And so with us, it's God's grace accepted in faith, trusting God that justifies us, that puts us right with God. And it's about relationship. If you've been striving to get God's love, here's the good news. He loves you already. You can't do anything extra to make him love you more than he loves you right now. And his desire is that we love him back, that we trust him, and we give him our hearts to have faith even against all hope. So do you believe God? Do you trust God? Do you have faith in God against all hope when things aren't working out like you thought? Because that isn't that, again, that's where faith is tested. That's where the rubber meets the road. When your plans aren't coming to fruition, the things that you thought were going to happen aren't happening. When you don't get the job you were hoping for, when you can't seem to figure out what is happening or why this or that's happening, that, that relationship that you were looking forward, looking to, to, to help you, it's kind of breaking up and falling apart. Do you still believe that God is working in the midst when you can't see it and things don't make sense? Do you believe what Paul said in Romans 8, that he's working all things out for the good of those who love him? And as we look again at Abram and Sarai, here they are, old and infertile, and yet God says to him, he's going to be the father of a great nation. And Abram believed that God could do it. But what happens? We have the human response. This is where trust all of a sudden gets derailed, goes off the tracks. 
Because what they do is they begin to look at the obvious. And faith is not, it's not looking at the obvious. It's not weighing all the options out and saying, that it'll pick that one. Okay, Sarai, um, God spoke to me. You can see Abram talking to her. He said, I'm going to be the father of many nations. And immediately goes, well, you know, and, and Sarai going, well, obviously he's not talking about me. And so we begin to speak for God. And we begin to, what she was doing is, we see her back in the garden, right, with Adam and Eve. That sin of we know better, Right? Isn't that the original thing? We know better than God. We will take control. We will make it happen. We will become God of our own lives. We will become the master of our own destiny here. And so Sarai says, you're old, I'm old, you know, and again, I don't have to get too graphic, but, but, but you know, health class says that, you know, Abram, you're probably okay to go, but I'm done. So here's my servant, Hagar. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to step into the middle and, and take control and we're going to be God here. And that can be the human response. God has spoke to him, don't be afraid. I will do this. But again, he doesn't give him a lot of details. And that's where we can get derailed in our faith. So they take matters in their own hands. And says, Sarai says, well, can't be me. So she offers up Hagar to be a surrogate. And that was not uncommon in that time, but we, you know, then, then Hagar has Ishmael, but God is saying he's not the child of promise that I was talking about. And they suffered some consequences from that. And he said, I'm still going to provide through you and Sarah. And so Sarah becomes pregnant at the wonderful age of 90. And you, can you imagine what Abraham and Sarah's relationship with God was like when Isaac was born? In their, in, their, in their faith lives, they were right where God wanted them to be. Can you imagine? That's a, that's a good day, and she's probably, you know, Isaac means son of my laughter. She probably just looked at him every day and just threw her head back and laughed. Said, can, I, can even not, I can't even believe this. That God would do this. And they were in a good place with God. But then there was one last aspect of faith as the basis of the new nation and faith as the basis of the kingdom that we live in. And that was this. And let's see up here. The foundation of the new nation, the kingdom, is faith is trusting God even when the story doesn't make sense. Trusting God even when the story does not make any sense at all. And this, again, is where we will see the gospel unfold, a picture of redemption. Most of you know this story, Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here, and then Abraham said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be a weighty, hard thing to hear from God. Can you imagine what Abraham is feeling in that moment? Can you imagine what is going on in his faith at that moment? What's going on in his heart? As a father, I, I, I mean, I can't even imagine that. I can't even put my head around that. 
I know my faith would have been shaken to the core. What is Abram's response? Abraham's response? This is from verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. He just got up and went again. So why did he get up the next morning and just kind of march up to the mountain? If you look in Hebrews, this is not up there, but in Hebrews eleven nineteen, I love here we find the answer. Here's a good cross-reference. It says this, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. I mean, that was his faith. And he says, God, I know I've heard you correctly, but I'm thinking back. You said I'm going to be the father of many nations. And, and, and you said the promise was going to come through Isaac. So even if you want me to go through with this, I know that if I kill him, you can raise the dead. I know that you can do it. And Hebrews tells us that. And that's why this hall of faith in Hebrews 11, it talks about Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. I don't get it. I can't see it. But you are amazing, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. So Abraham believed that God could raise the dead. He trusted God even when the story did not make any sense. Because can you imagine? He's going, well, wait, didn't you say? Didn't you promise And now you want me to do this? So he marches up that hill. He lays his son on the altar and he raises the knife to kill him. On Mount Moriah. And then the angel stopped him at the last moment and said, Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. That's Genesis 22.12. And so what happened, because Isaac asked Abraham, he said, you know, God, uh, you know, Dad, here's the problem. We're going up to make a sacrifice, and you've got the wood, and we've got the stuff. I don't see any animal. And, God, and what does Abraham say? God will provide. That's where we get the word Jehovah Jireh in the name of God. God will provide a, a, a sacrifice. And so then in a place of Isaac, he lifts it up. God says, stop. He looks over. There's a ram whose horns are caught in this thicket. And he says, and he's, God has provided. So they make this sacrifice. Do you see the gospel here? Do you see the gospel? Because many years later, here's the thing, on that same mountain, Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, where Jerusalem stands today, on that hill now called Calvary. There was another father and son that were going to have another meeting on that mountain. And the story of Abraham and Isaac points us to the gospel, it points us to redemption, it points us to God's love for people. If you don't think that this, if you think that, that, that the Bible is just chaotic and, and, and it's accidental and it's just stories, this is absolutely amazing. On that same mountain, Calvary, there's going to be another father and son up there. And it is the Father in heaven and his son Jesus. And at that time, because of God's love for people, God's going to provide another lamb for sacrifice. And what did John say when he saw Jesus? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so on that mountain... When Abraham was about to kill Isaac and and God says, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to sacrifice yourself. You don't have to sacrifice your son. I will provide. And just 
many, many years later, here's God the Father and Jesus going to the cross. And God saying, humanity, you don't have to die for your own sins. I'm making a way for you. I'm making a sacrifice for you. This is how much I love you. This is how much I've always loved you. Even in your rebellion, I love you. Even in your sin and your darkness and your dirt, I love you. And I'm providing Jesus on this mountain. God provides him. It says this in Romans 8.32 that he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. God who did not spare his own son. Pointing us, this story pointing us to the cross, that we don't have to die for our own sins. That in Christ he has taken it. That's the good news. That's the gospel. This is the story that we should be proclaiming from the rooftops It's not about morality or trying to be good or better. It's about falling on our knees and trusting in the Savior and saying, I can't save and help myself, and I desperately need you. Because without Christ, we will take the full brunt of our own sin. We will try to pay for our sin ourselves, and it's already been purchased. It's already been paid for. And that's why people have a hard time. They say, I can't understand that God would judge people eternally. How does that work? Well, it works when you look at the cross. He's already cast his judgment. He who did not spare his own son. Isaiah 53, it was the Lord's good pleasure to crush him, to lay on him the iniquity of us all, to lay on him the sin that we walk in, to give him the punishment that we deserved. And then people go, well, I can't understand God being an eternal judge. Well, he's already judged it. And then we just simply say the gospel is say, I receive your sacrifice. People that will be judged, basically what they're saying is, I don't receive your sacrifice. I'll try to pay for my own sin. And God goes, okay, you will, you will, you will pay for that then. But the good news, and we see it there, is God provides his son And did not spare his own son, but gave him up. And so for Abraham, faith was trusting God. When this whole sacrifice Isaac thing did not make sense. And for us, faith is trusting God even when life at times doesn't make sense. It's resting in the fact that we are loved at a high price. He saved us, he redeemed us, and we get him Remember the puzzle? Jesus is the end picture. The gospel is the end picture. And that's enough, even when life doesn't make sense. If all you have is Jesus, you have enough. If you don't have all the answers and your life is in a fog, you can't see the end result, things don't make sense, faith is saying, I have Jesus and he is enough. Because we look at the cross and we see God not sparing his own son for us, and that is the links that he will go to win us back, and to have us with him forever. I love Jesus, and I love the gospel, and I love the story of Abraham and Sarah. You see brokenness in them, don't you? You see them taking matters into their own hands. You see them taking the place of God. We will try to fulfill the, our, the, the, God's promise. Surely it can't be this way, and Surely it can't be that way. And even through that, God still gave them the promise. Again, he could have just said, you know what? 
Forget you, I'm going to look for a different couple to work this out with. No, I'm still going to choose you, even through your bad decision, even through Ishmael, even through all of that. I'm going to work through your bad decisions because you're going to walk back to me and I'm going to receive you back to myself. That's our story. We are broken. We are flawed. We need Jesus. And just like on that mountain of Moriah, where God provides a ram and says, I understand that you love me now. Many, many years later on that same mountain, God provides Jesus for us. That's the gospel. And that's the picture. Let's pray. Jesus, again, thank you so, so much for your love. Lord, I pray, God, today that we would love you even more. And, and Lord, that was, that's been my prayer all along with this series, is that we would love Jesus more. We'd see you with new eyes, that we would see your story unfold, even back in Genesis, that we see the gospel. We see clues of the gospel everywhere. Lord, I pray, God, today that we, in, in our lives, that we would trust you. And I, God, I pray, Lord, that no matter what we're going through, and, and Lord, there's so many different stories here in this room of where we're at in life, the journeys that we're on, the relationships that we're in, the jobs, the sphere of influence, the, the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, oh God. And I pray for each one of us that we would trust you more and more, that we would have faith in you against all hope, when things don't make sense, when we can't see things clearly, God, that we would just simply say, I've got Jesus, he is close, he wants me in relationship, and that's enough. And Lord, ultimately, we thank you that you gave your life up for us because you desired us in relationship. And I pray today for each of our hearts, Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that they have never put their full trust in you, humbled their heart, surrendered their lives. And that's what it means to be a Christian. That means, what is, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ in the quietness of your own heart. You can just say, Lord, I put my trust in you. Forgive me. It's, 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 it's realizing that we are sinners, that we're broken. And it's just coming to that fact of saying, God, I'm, I'm a broken mess and I need you. Lord, I've trying to control my own life. I'm trying to steer my own life. I'm trying to be in the driver's seat of my own life. And, and Lord, it's just, I understand that it's not good. And I, wanna, I want you to be in control. And I surrender to you. And I trust your sacrifice. I love you. And understanding that it's for relationship. That when you make that decision, it's not about, okay, now I gotta try to follow the rules. No, it's about walking with Jesus. And then he, and then he enables you and empowers you to live the way you're supposed to live. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for the links that you go, Jesus, to win us, to love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great, great week. Thank you.